Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Life is full of things that can really bring you down, but author Emmanuel Jones brings readers positivity and peace of mind in his new book, Reintroduction, Want More, Do More, Be More. I'm really happy that I'm talking with Emmanuel right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Emmanuel, thank you for joining me here tonight. Hey, thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about this book, Reintroduction, Want More, Do More, Be More? Well, the book is basically about breaking through the strongholds of things that hold us down. Maybe it's failure, debt, certain things that hold us down that keep us from becoming who we're trying to be or stepping to the next realm of what we really want to do. And it focuses on many different things, fear, discipline, balancing yourself, being able to reintroduce yourself as a new person with a new mindset to walk with a new smile, a new glow on you. Manuel, what kinds of readers do you think would be most into your book? Anybody that wants to grow and learn how to grow from the beginning of it. Like, when I say the beginning of it, like, I break it down inside of the book. Like, it's almost, the book is almost like a step-by-step guide to walking yourself out of certain things. So anybody that wants to step up and be better at something, I don't know, maybe you already got a lot of money. Maybe you don't have no lot of money. Maybe you're whatever. The book is written to catch you from where you are, to help you make the next jump, make the next leap, you know, to step on out on faith and know that you can do it, too. I mean, I started, you know, not knowing where or how far I would even go, mm-hmm. but I jumped. I did what I felt was right. I did what I felt what would bring peace in my life. And here you hear me now. So anybody that wants to exceed through the next level and get to the next playing field, then this is for you. Yeah, certainly something that the world needs now is more positivity, more peace. So, Emmanuel, can you tell me what inspired you to write this? How did you get the idea? Well, the way I got the idea, I was in an 18-wheeler and driving down the road and got to listen to a lot of positive messages and stuff. And over due time, those positive messages grasped me and brought me back to thinking about my community that I had just left or whatever before I jumped back into 18 wheeler driving and I'm thinking about their struggles and the things that I have went through and I have overcome I have accomplished I have been there and it can't mess with me anymore because I know how to handle it now so those were the things that helped me be able to write the book just wanting to help somebody get an A on day test when they need an answer or something. Did this book take you a long time to write then? The book took me, I started this book in 2019, like March 2019, I started this book. I had finished this book and I closed this book out. I was not going to do anything with the book. I was just writing. I love writing. I've been writing my whole life. Mm. But the thing that hit me when 2020 came, I was in the back of a semi. I had went to sleep literally for 30 minutes. I woke up and I made a phone call. Once I made the phone call, the guy told me to send him my papers or whatever. And I don't know why I called this guy. It's just, it's just something that just happened. I mean, this is the power of God, you know? So when you're really in emotion and 
and truly into what you're supposed to do and you really ground it, then it will happen. Whether you want it to or not, it will happen. It must have been awesome for you, Emmanuel, when you finally got that first copy in your hands. You got to hold that hard copy in your hands for the first time. Tell me about that moment. Oh, man. Oh, man. The, the mail came through, <laughs> and I opened up the box. It was almost like a kid at Christmas. Mm. I couldn't wait to see it. And once I got it, man, I felt like I had accomplished something that was great. And I felt like, man... How do I even get this to all the people to let them know that, man, they can do this too. Mm. They can get this great feeling. I mean, I felt like it's unexplainable because it was something bigger than me. It was something more than what I thought I could accomplish in my own life. So the feeling, I can, I really can't explain it. I mean, it was a happy feeling. It was joyful. It was everything that you can think good. <laughs> I know a lot of readers are going to love this book. It's titled Reintroduction, Want More, Do More, Be More. This is written by Emmanuel Jones, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can grab it everywhere, like on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Emmanuel, it's been wonderful speaking with you here tonight. Thank you so much for telling me all about your work, and I hope we can do this again sometime. Yes, sir. Most certainly we will. Author K.R. Snook returns to the Reader House Author Roundtable to talk about her exciting second book, Karen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me again. Thanks so much for having me back. Well, it's really exciting. Your new book is called Armed with God. It's the second in your series, so can you tell me about it? Absolutely. So Armed with God, following One with God, is basically a introduction to the archangels a little differently than what we've had out there. It kind of introduces them on a more personal note for people. Personally, and I believe that this was given me to put out as a message that these angels are here for all of us to utilize their tools and apply them to our everyday lives, knowing that they're there. These are a gift from God that they help us to better our daily lives. That's why I called it Armed with God, because you're basically arming yourself with the most protective angelic beings that are available to us. Hmm. Karen, who are you writing this book for? Hopefully everybody. I believe that I was given this information to write down, and I still go back and read it. It's very helpful for the soul. I think we're in a very hard time in life right now, and people need to start looking a little deeper within and just kind of healing their own selves as opposed to worrying about, like, the world as bad as it is. When we can learn to heal ourselves from the inside out, then the world is a lot more tolerable, and we, we know where we fit, how to make it a better place to live in the end. The first book, of course, you co-authored, and this one you authored all on your own. So what was that process like? Was it longer? Was it more difficult? Not really. I think I grew a whole lot as an author on the first book with the help of my friend Jimmy. Hmm. I actually was more than happy to have him collaborate with me and do it with me again. And when I sent him the first draft, like he just basically didn't feel like he need that I needed him anymore. <laughs> Between those two things, it, this one just felt a little easier, smoother. Yeah, I felt like I could do it on my own on this one okay. Karen, does that feeling ever get old whenever you get the first copy in like you did the first book and you get to hold it for the first time? It's still not old. It's still, I, 
I'm not very good at promoting myself, so I've, I've got to learn how to get in little local stores and try and promote it a little bit better, and I'm working on that. But I love to give them away to people. I've given out so many and received very well, like very much positive feedback from people. I think it really, I think that they help. I think that they just kind of are reminders of what we all have within ourselves that we kind of forget about because of daily lives. Mm. And I understand that a third book in this series is on the way. Yes, we just completed it. It's actually going to print right now. That should be out in another couple of months where they're available. It takes a couple of months for everything. <laughs> so that's another one that's following up and it where this one teaches you to arm yourself and the tools that you can carry with yourself daily in life. And the third book will be more about protecting your own boundaries. And it talks a lot about empaths and basically how to protect your own energy from the dark of the world. How do you stay in a good place in yourself? Hmm. I feel like they're just very helpful little, they're very small. They're very easy reads. They're just reminders, feel good reminders of we all have somebody out there that cares about us. Do you think then that the third book will complete the series or are you thinking of going beyond that? I believe it's going to be extended in at least another one, maybe possibly two more. Hmm. And um, I'm just beginning the work on the fourth one. It's quite a ways away. But basically, when I wrote the first one, I felt very, very channeled or very pulled to. I kind of felt like I had a message then that there would be five in the series. So the fourth is coming pretty easy. Fifth one, I'm not even sure what it's going to be about yet. So, because <laughs> I don't want to get redundant, you know, I don't want to get where it's the same thing over and over. And as you keep publishing and keep writing, I'm sure that you keep learning more and more things along the way, Karen. So what now would you tell authors who are just starting out? I would tell them there's no set way to do it. I believe that the most important step, if you want to write something, everybody has a story in them. They can be truthful. They can be fiction. They can be about science fiction. They can be anything. Some Everybody has something that kind of excites them on the inside. And if they can figure out how to start like just making notes and organizing them in, in little sections where you can create your own little chapters or your own little sections of the book. But I think that the key is just start writing a journal that is in your head, anything that you're thinking. And as you continue to write, if you do that for three to four weeks, you will see a book form. That's great advice. Thank you. I know a lot of my listeners are going to love this book. It's titled Armed with God. It's written by K.R. Snook, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Karen, it's been wonderful chatting with you here again. Thank you so much for telling me about the second in the series, and I hope we get to talk about the third. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, and I look forward to talking again. There's interesting history told in the new book by Lubin Doe. It's titled, And They Left, The Saga of an Anlo Couple, Original Version. I'm really happy that Lubin is right here with me now to talk all about it. Lubin, thanks for joining me here tonight. You're welcome. It's great you have this book out in stores for readers now. Can you tell me what readers can expect? The book tracks the exodus of the Igbo people from Egypt to their current settlement place in three Western African countries, Benin, Togo, and Ghana, as well as the nightly flight from Tegbi in what used to be Gold Coast, now Ghana, to Mission Tove in Togo of a couple who was the descendant of these people. Lubin, what kinds of readers do you think would really be interested in this? 
readers who are students of history, culture, anthropology, and perhaps more specifically genealogy, students in those fields. Can you give me the background on this, Lubin? How did this book come about? The initial starting point was a set of data, family data, which was commissioned by a gentleman called Joseph Su some 50 years ago. Hmm. And he did not exploit this data before he passed away in 1985. So those information were transferred to me and the thoughts came to present them in a written form. I can imagine a project like this took an awful long time. Was that the case? Absolutely. It took me about close to 10 years because I have to verify the statistical data as well as the narrative part, hmm. talking to many, many people. Have you ever done anything like this when it comes to writing or publishing? Not this extensive. I have published mainly in the field of economics and taxation and indebtedness, but not a book of this type. Like you said, this book was a long time in the making, Lubin. So what was the moment like for you when you finally got the first hard copy and got to hold it? I was pleased that it was over <laughs> because the proofreading part and the correction rounds were quite tedious. Mm. But it was good to, to get the story out. Have you considered writing more, maybe more in this vein or another sort of book in the future? I'm working on the this English version. There is a lot of readers whom I consider to be francophone readers, and I'm working on the French version. Hmm. The French version will have a chapter on family relations quite extensive. Hmm. I'm also working on a book on the visions of two of my children. These are my current plans. Hmm. Lubin, a lot of listeners right now also want to get their first book out there. So do you have any advice that you could offer them? I'm sure they have advice from many other writers. But the way I started out was the central idea. Then I built an outline with a chronology in mind. Then I proceeded filling the chapters with paragraphs. But along the line, the scope and content of the chapters change. So I would suggest that people start with a clear idea and then an outline and then start with the first page and proceed. What's the most rewarding aspect now for you, Lubin, of being a published author and having your work out there for the world? I feel a deep sense of relief and satisfaction that it is out and that maybe people can benefit from reading it. My sense of it is that we all have some, everybody has a natural father and natural mother and a set of grandparents and ascendants going far back in time. And if we have information on them, we can present it to the public. You never know. Because we, we need the past to understand the, the present. And we need the past and the present to draw lessons from them for, for the future. Absolutely. I know a lot of readers are going to be interested in this book. It's titled, And They Left, The Saga of an Anlo Couple, original version. This is written by Lubin Doe, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Lubin, thank you again for joining me tonight, telling me about your work. I had a nice time talking with you. Thank you to us, well, and have a pleasant day. 
We all have a bad day sometimes, and the new book by Laudia Ortiz reminds readers that there are always better times ahead. The book's title is On a Good Day, and I'm talking with Laudia right now. Laudia, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Can you tell me all about what readers can find in On a Good Day? On a Good Day is a good snuggle up with the family, snuggle up with a close friend, or if you're a veteran, you probably would love the sense of humor that I have for projecting this book out to everyone. It's a beautiful book about loving your family, loving someone, and having faith and trust in God to always be there for you. Hmm. Laudia, what kinds of readers do you think would really be into this? The types of readers who would be interested in this are children and young readers who love adventures by reading books and trying to socialize with people and trying to get in touch with God. Hmm. When it comes to writing and publishing, is this the first time you've done something like this? Publishing-wise, yes. I always have a great storyline around, lying around somewhere, but publishing, this is my first publish, and it won't be the last. Well, that's fantastic. Is this going to be part of a series, do you think, or are you going to write some other kinds of books? Of course. I've got some more things that Prusion is getting into. Ladia, you said you love to write. So to you, what's the most rewarding aspect of it all, especially now that you're published? The most rewarding aspect of it all would be nurturing everyone in an adventure with their lives through education and loving God. Being this is your first published work, did it take you a long time to write and then put through all those publishing hoops? It did not. I, you know, I have so much fun entirely writing that I just have like things sitting around and this just happened to be that one beautiful doll-like book in the window that your kid would love to me. So I just had to have this one. I had to have this one out. I knew I could do something with this one mm. if I put it together. Laudia, it sounds like writing comes so easy for you. Do you ever get writer's block or anything like that? I do. It's not easy to sit down all day and write something, but I keep everything on my easel. You know, I have a writer's easel even to hold my books up for me. I keep everything there if I'm having writer's block, and I always come back to it. Sometimes rereading things over and over helps with writer's block for me. You know, I don't let it get the best of me at all. Mm, that's great. A lot of our listeners right now are authors who are just starting out on this whole thing. So, Laudia, do you have any advice that you could offer them? Never give up with your intuitions on things. Mm. What you like matters to you. What you like will matter to everyone. Never give up on what you love and what you're enjoying because it's going to make you happy. Mm. Laudia, when it comes to children's books, the illustrations are so important. Can you tell me how you went about that? I knew that I wanted her to have a fun, coily, kinky-looking look to her, you know? Like something that was standing out to me a lot, a great deal. And I put this streamer in her hair, and I wanted, to her, I wanted her to have ponytails. I wanted there to be a beautiful bluebird and some flowers. I wanted there to be a beautiful nail on Prusion, something that readers would really enjoy and get into and can relate to even to bring it out to make it look a little bit more realistic. And Laudia, are you the kind of writer who tries to sit the same time every day, maybe at the same place and write? Or do you find yourself writing whenever you find the ideas are coming to you? Whenever ideas come to me, I sit and I pit them together. That's the best 
time. You know, I can jot down things as I go. Like, it'll be a here and there thing. Like, maybe that's a good idea. I'll just write it down and leave it. But, you know, normally it comes on a day where I'm just at my computer and frustrated with everything and I want to write my own stuff. That's when the wonders come into it, you know. And I just put it all together with everything that I've been piecing together along the way. And it comes together so beautifully when it's like that. I know a lot of readers are going to love this book. It's titled On a Good Day. It's written by Laudia Ortiz, and it's published by Covenant Books. Of course, you can pick this up everywhere, online, grab this at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Laudia, it's been wonderful speaking with you here today. Thank you so much for telling me all about On a Good Day, and I hope we can chat again sometime. Oh, great. That would be so great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was wonderful. Chaplain Rick Petsky tells the story of God's work in his life in his new book, Life of Miracles. Rick is right here with me now to chat all about it. Rick, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I really appreciate you being here with me. Thanks for the time. I just appreciate having an opportunity to be able to share what God has been doing in my life and making himself known through my life. And that's been my desire to let my light shine through the world and let them realize how real Jesus Christ is today. Your life truly is a life of miracles, so can you tell me what readers can expect in the book? Well, they'll see uh, from the beginning of my birth and to the end that it's just been nonstop intervening with God. At the time, I didn't know what it was. You could say I was just I was a lucky guy. <laughs> mm. Just thinking that no matter what I went through, it seemed like something kept me going, spurring my life from so many close calls with death or really bad harm. And I didn't realize as I was growing up in my life, there was a battle going for my soul, you could say. You know, I, say I felt at moments things were trying to destroy me or kill me or harm me. And at the same time, something divine in the background was always intervening, protecting me from any harm that would, you know, take my life. Mm. So I started beginning to learn about the reality of good and evil becoming more present. And the more I grew in my life, I'd start showing how real good and evil is really active and God was making himself known and slowly, step by step, line upon line, precept, he was beginning to show me how real he was. And he eventually led me to the truth that he existed, that he rose again from the dead. And then he sent people my way and eventually I became born again and filled with his spirit. And from that time forth, I had a burden for the lost. And I let other people realize that Jesus is alive today as he was back in the day 2,000 years ago since he rose again. That's the main reason why I'm trying to get the word out that God is really real today and it's calling his name Jesus no matter who you are. If you really have a sincere heart and you want Jesus, he will definitely uh, come in your heart. But you just got to invite him in. He's just asking and waiting and knocking at our door. That's so why he said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. You notice how it emphasizes he wants to come into our being, but we have to invite him in. He doesn't come in. He's a gentleman. That's why there's no doorknob on the outside. You ever see that picture of Jesus knocking in the door? you got to let him in. He doesn't come in on his own. <laughs> That's the main reason why I wrote the book, mm. to let people know that Jesus is real today. And whenever I called on his name, whenever I was in danger, he always came through with me every time and did miracle after miracle. Mm. Rick, who were you writing to here? What kinds of readers do you think would be most into your story? Oh, right now, I think everybody out there, uh, like I said, I had a time when I was brought up with kind of like atheistic thinking parents. And, you know, God put in my heart when I wrote the story, I wanted to inspire not only the believer, but it's also written for a backsider because, you know, God showed his grace in me because I had times where I slipped away and they say the enemy had tricked me where I fell and slipped away. And yeah, God never gave up on me. He he definitely leaves the 99, goes for the one that went astray and tries to bring him back home again. And then also for the people that don't believe, you know, 
I had an experience with an atheist once. I put him on challenge. I said, hey, if you just pray and believe God just one moment, just, just, just one time, believe that he exists. If you pray and you ask him in your life and he touches you, you got to go to church with me and start reading your Bible. But if he doesn't talk to you and touch your heart, when you pray and you ask him in your heart today, just believe that he's rose again for your sins. I'll never talk to you about Jesus again. And he took the deal and God touched him. He started crying. He gave his life to God. It's like, wow. yeah, this is written for people that don't even know God or have an experience with God. I believe if you prayed with just enough faith, just to one moment in your life, if you don't know God, he can definitely draw you and save you even at that moment, even if you're an atheist. Now, Rick, I could imagine when it comes to writing something like your life story, it might have taken a while. Did this take you a while to write? Uh, about a year and a half. Mm. I took it I don't know, pretty much uh, whenever I got it, when I had time, because I work at FedEx. I'm a full-time truck driver. Besides, mm. whenever I was sitting there, but I was just praying. I always tried to make sure I wanted to write down what God wanted me to write down. It was sure it was my life, and I wrote about things that happened in my life and to every detail to the best of my ability. I said, Jesus, only let me write in this book only things that you want me to write. I don't want to write things, anything that has nothing to do with nothing. It's got to be inspired. I want it to uh, touch people. I want them to feel your love. I want them to sense your presence. I want them to realize you really care for them, and you died for the whole world, you said in John 3.16. I'm trying to get people to know Jesus Christ, that he's real today, and he wants to have an intimate personal relationship with anybody that wants him, and he just wants to be involved in our lives, but we just have to invite him in. I think a lot of readers are going to love this book. It's called Life of Miracles. It's written by Chaplain Rick Petsky, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can grab this everywhere online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Rick, thank you again for joining me here on the show and telling me all about your life and your book. I hope we can chat again sometime. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Hope to talk to you soon. The new novel by Tage Seville, it's titled Lost Times, Times Lost. It has a lot to say about the human condition, and I'm really happy that Tage is right here with me now to talk all about it. Tage, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Yes. It's great that you have this novel out. Can you tell me what readers can expect in Lost Times, Times Lost? Well, it's a novel that takes into consideration several ideas about what's going on in today's culture, in the world today, and it hits the ideas about where we came from, from the general concepts of whether or not we came here by some form of intelligence or whether some form of accident. And so it kind of puts those ideas in a form that relates to the things that happen to people today in America. What sorts of readers were you speaking to with this book? Readers that were interested in how the things, they say, for instance, in the Bible, especially in my case in the Old Testament, how those things relate to what's happening today and how the Spirit of God works. It tries to give examples of how the Spirit that Jesus talked about to the woman at the well, at Jacob's well, how God's Spirit works. And what's interesting, when you read the Bible, you see cases of personal experiences that the Bible highlights, and it shows how God worked through those cases. And it's just not so apparent when God works. It's not apparent until you uh, look at it from retroactively. Mm -hmm. While you're going through the experience, you don't really understand it. So this is just examples of how he works, and they're all tied together to the central theme. The central theme is, you know, whether or not, of course, we came here by accident or, or we came here by some form of intelligence. Basically, I think people that would be interested in that would probably be, might be interested in the book, but it gently leads you towards those assumptions if you're going to review. And so if you look at the, there's 11 parts, which I call really chapters. 
And if you look at those chapters, you'll see in each of them, just like you do when you read the Bible, you'll see in each of them, retrospectively, how God works. It's hard to see as you're going through it. But when you look back over what actually happened, you can actually see the hand of God in the, in the book. So who would be interested? Well, I'm trying to get people to read it that don't necessarily have to be religious. Mm. Because I'm trying to draw people that are not necessarily religious and just to look at it and maybe kind of enjoy the cultures, the different cultures, the different things that are going on in that book. I'm curious, where did the idea for this book come from, Tage? In my readings of the scriptures, I guess it came from the fact that I thought that it would be great if we could just see how these things happen today. Mm. So where did it come from? It came from me, a sense of thought that, you know, when people go through the Bible and they read the stories, the goal should be, if it's not, to make it relative to what's going on today. Sometimes as you read it, you, you only relate to it as to what went on during the time or at that time. I'm really talking about the Old Testament more than the New Testament. You can relate to what's going on at that time, but you must also know how that applies to our lives today. That's what I attempted to do, is attempt to start off with incidents and occurrences that might happen today hmm. and show how God would work his wisdom, his spirit in those events. So it starts off with a ride. In the ride, things happen in discussions, and hopefully the people who are reading it will get the general idea of where I'm going, mm. especially with the opening scene where there's a leaf that falls out of a forest and floats over a town. It seemingly causes events. So it kind of pits those two ideas of intelligence versus accidents or accidents versus intelligence together so you can actually see some of it happen. Mm. Have you given any thought to writing more, maybe a follow-up to this one or another kind of book? This was actually volume one, and I have volume two in the works. I'm just trying to get an idea to see how successful volume one is going to be. Mm. I know a lot of readers are going to really be into this book. The title is Lost Times, Times Lost. It's written by Tage Seville and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Tage, thank you again for joining me here and telling me all about your book. I'm looking forward to seeing more from you and hope we can talk again sometime. All right. Great. I'm glad we had this talk. I'm glad we had this interview. Thank you so much. Real love isn't always easy, and the characters in the new novel by Phyllis Cornish learn all about that. The book is titled It's So Complicated. And Phyllis, the author, is right here with me now to talk all about it. Phyllis, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, it's wonderful this new book is out in stores for readers now. It's so complicated. Can you tell me all about it? Yes, it's so complicated. It picks. We always talk about women wanting love, but now we talk about who men who's trying to find love. He grew up without love, but he had a strong father. His mother got hurt during the process of the mother and father relationship. And so he's looking for love. He wants to be loved, but his mother's so angry and so bitter that she doesn't know how to forgive. But he had a strong father who, no matter what, stayed in his life. So it depicts how important it is for a parent to stay in a child's life, whether you're together or not. And this young man, he just wanted to be loved. And his father, through a relationship that he got married, he felt love at the home where his father was at with his new wife. So he wanted that type of love in his life. And even though he wanted that love in his life, 
he had to go do some obstacles before he could find that love. And even when he found it, there was complications. Mm -hmm. Phyllis, what kinds of readers do you think would really be into It's So Complicated? It would be readers who looking for love and sometimes see a man's point of view, also strong fathers, how is we need to celebrate the good fathers that stays in the child's life and how you can you can help your child. A lot of children wouldn't be violent and on drugs maybe if dad or mom is not just always dad or mom has just stayed in their life. Mm-hmm. And also it teaches us about forgiveness. And don't let nobody stop you from loving again. No matter how hurt you are, God is love. So you can always find love again. Don't let nothing block you for loving somebody else. And don't give nobody that power over your life that you can't love again. Also, it would, I think, readers that would blended families. Because it really speaks on blended families, the hurt and the trauma that a child goes through, divorce. And even when the mother's trying to move on, it can help with a blended family as far as trying to move on. Some of the decisions, hard decisions, you have to make, even concerning your children. And even though you might find love, sometimes it's complicated because you still are a mom. You still have to raise your family. You still have to consult with your family. Hmm. So life can be complicated, even finding new love. Phyllis, where did you get the idea to write it so complicated? What was your inspiration for it? Actually, my inspiration was I am a product of a blended family. Hmm. And I know sometimes um, it's hard. There's some decisions that even me and my husband had to make. We had to always think about the children. And sometimes, you know, the kids had some pains that wasn't healed prior to us getting married. So it becomes complicated. But through prayer and love, it can work. It can work, you know. So that's probably where the thought I came from. Have you ever written or published before this? No, that's always been a dream of mine, even as a child. Sometimes we put off dreams, and as I got older, I realized I preached a sermon one day, it's never too late, and then it hit back at me. It's never too late to follow your dream. Mm. So no matter how old you are, it's never too late to follow your dream. Absolutely. I love it. Did this take you a long time to write and publish then? Unfortunately, yes, and only because my husband, which was the pastor of the church, he got sick. So my first duty was to take care of him, and then he passed. And that was kind of hard at one point. But in the pandemic, I got some relief, and I got some time, and I made use of that time. And I was able to complete the book, so I was so excited. Mm. I know a lot of readers are really going to be into this book. It's titled, It's So Complicated. It's written by Phyllis Cornish, and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can grab this one everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Phyllis, it's been wonderful having you on the show here tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. The Scissors Ketchup Man. I love the name of this book. It's the new one out right now by Sandra A. Holmes. And I'm speaking with Sandra right now. Sandra, thank you so much for joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Oh, thank you for inviting me to come. It's great to have you. I love the title of this book. Like I said, it raises so many questions in my mind. Can you tell me what it's about? It's about a little girl. Her name is Rose, and she's six. And it takes place during the first week of school as a first grader. The story is basically about problem solving and learning to ask for help and recognizing that even a very small act of kindness can make a very big difference in your life. Mm. So here's this little girl who loves ketchup. 
I truly mean loves ketchup. <laughs> Rose is accustomed to eating at home. So she always has had her own package of ketchup, you know, a little dish or whatever. She remembers that from the year before when she went into the cafeteria, they had large ketchup bottles and it was no biggie. You just squirted it on everything and away you go. But this year, the school has changed and they now have ketchup packets. Not a big deal. She's used to packets. So Rose goes on over covers her tray in packets because packets don't have very much ketchup and attempts to find the little clipped part where you pull and she can't find it. <laughs> and then as she's watching the second grade table and this one girl who's having difficulty just like she is, she sees this wave come up from the second grade table. All the kids have their hands up and she's wondering, what is going on? Well, this older gentleman comes into the lunchroom and the kids are chattering at him and she thinks, boy, they must know each other really well and all of the kids are talking to him. He must be their friend. And then she watches as he pulls out a little Ziploc bag with safety scissors and he snips open the top of each and every ketchup package. He's the scissors ketchup man. And he is a volunteer who comes in on days when there's meals, when there's going to be ketchup for the first and second grade table. There's all kinds of things that are true to childhood and what happens. And she makes up songs about ketchup and I mean, just little things, you know, that are true to life for, for a six-year-old. Mm. How long did this take you to write and then put through the publishing process, Sandra? The story actually started, I'm going to say in my head, back in the 1990s. I was a National Science Teacher Association trained content reviewer, and I was assigned to a Kentucky school district. And one of the questions that I was responsible for was to identify people that the children would turn to for help. And the most frequent answer that we got from the first and second graders was the scissors ketchup man. Hmm. We asked the principal, who's the scissors ketchup man? And said, I have no clue. We asked the teachers. They had no clue. We asked the janitor, because oftentimes janitors are right up there with the little kids. Mm. Nope. Finally, we sat down in the cafeteria and had lunch at the same time that the first and second graders were. And the scissors ketchup man walked in. Mm. And the kids <laughs> greeted him as the scissors ketchup man. Presto, we had our answer. This gentleman was the person that the kids knew they could ask a question, and he would answer it as truthfully as he knew. And if he didn't, he would say, oh, you need to ask so-and-so. And I thought that would make a cool story. So over the next 30 years, I've written this story 100 times in my head. And then, like I said, my one granddaughter loved ketchup. And until she was four, pretty much you couldn't get her to eat anything unless it had ketchup on it. <laughs> and for the name Rose, all of my granddaughters have the middle name Rose in honor of my mother-in-law. Her middle name was Rose. And two of my favorite university students married, and their first daughter is named Rose. Her birthday is one day before mine. Mm. So I decided that Rose would be a great name. There's a lot of different unique cultures in our family tree. Mm. And Rose was a name that could reflect all of that. Sandra, have you given thought to writing a follow-up maybe to this or writing another kind of book? Actually, I have a second book that's been accepted for publication. Wonderful. It's called Two Licks and the Magic Couch. <laughs>
I love it. And I know a lot of children and families are going to love The Scissors Ketchup Man. It's written by Sandra A. Holmes, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. Of course, you can pick it up everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for stopping by the show and telling me all about The Scissors Ketchup Man. I hope you can stop by again and tell me about the next one. Oh, well, thank you very much, Corey. It was very nice being here today. Thank you. Sitting down here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Eunice Samadzada. Eunice, thank you for being here with me tonight. You're welcome. I'm very happy to be with you. I'm happy that you're here with me. It's great you got a new book out in stores right now. It's titled The History of the Rise and Fall of the World's Religions and Their Evolution. Can you tell me what readers can expect in this book? This book is about the history of various religions and how they evolved. And what kinds of readers were you speaking to here? The target reader audience includes anyone from interested students to university professors, from atheists to the devout, anyone interested in a review of the development of different religions. Hmm. It starts very beginning of the human as a hunter-gatherer to today's religion. Hmm. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing and publishing? Uh, not really. This was my first book that I was dreaming. It only started when I get the chance and time. And what are the chances you'll be writing another book, maybe a follow-up to this one or something else? Of course, I'm honestly waiting to see how this book will be welcomed mm. by the readers. In my other books, whatever I need is all ready. You know, the title, everything is ready. Just I have to see how this book goes. You know, the reader like my style and my, the, the way I'm writing. If that's the case, they like this book. My second book will be soon, because I did work a lot on that book, too. Well, Eunice, after those five years of hard work that went into writing the history of the rise and fall of the world's religions and their evolution, what was it like when you got that first physical copy and got to hold it in your hands for the first time? Oh, that was an amazing feeling of accomplishment after years of thinking, researching, reading, and writing the book. Now it's done. And I was so proud that I could not even imagine how happy I am. Eunice, a lot of people listening right now are authors who are just starting out. They want to write their first book and go on this journey as well. What words of wisdom could you offer them along the way? Once he or she decides to begin an auto, first, must be patient. Second, that person should know the subject matter very well and have the time to do it and spend the time. Without the time, you cannot write anything. Eunice, did you have people in your life who were around you and they knew that you were taking something this big on and they could be there to motivate and encourage you along the way? Yes. When I was very young, at the age of 14, I had a lot of interest about the religion and how religion evolved. Mm. And at that point, my brother-in-law, with whom I had a lot of positive discussion about the world's religion, because he had the same mindset. 
as I did. He was my most inspired person that he get in me. Eunice, so much time and so much hard work goes into writing and publishing a book like we were talking about. So to you, when you look back over it all, what is the most rewarding part for you of now being a published author? Oh, there are a number of rewards. Uh, the first is to share my knowledge. Second, the sense of accomplishment to your own commitment. And the third is to enter into the larger society as a professional writer. And the fourth and more important, most important, to try to change the reader's view about religion. That's the main thing that, you know, you can change people's minds. That was the intention I wrote the book. I know a lot of readers are going to get a lot out of this book. The title is The History of the Rise and Fall of the World's Religions and Their Evolution. This is written by Yunus Samanzada, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this book everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Eunice, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about your work. I hope we can speak sometime again. Oh, absolutely. I cannot wait. Thank you very much, sir. Right now, I'm sitting down here with author Jose Maurizio Diaz Amendola. Maurizio, thank you for joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable tonight. Well, thank you. And I'm uh, hoping that I will enjoy this conversation as being my first. Well, congratulations on that. I feel honored that I can be your first interview. It's exciting. You have a new book out there. Now, the title's in Spanish, and my Spanish isn't the strongest. So could you tell everyone the name of your book and what it's all about? Okay. The name of the book is Oof, a U and seven Fs, Pobres Todos. If I tried to tell you what the book is all about, it would be like looking at myself in the mirror a few times after I get all dressed up to go to a party and say, oh, you look good. <laughs> so uh, basically what I like to say about the book, the book has the key to loving ourselves by erasing any guilt we might have had or misunderstandings, you know, mm. or things that happen in our lives. And then by accepting our spiritualities. Mm. By that, it will enhance the goodness in every person. That is what the book is all about. Mauricio, what sort of reading audience were you speaking to with this book? Well, I would say it is written for all that want to explore and search for their hidden values. Oof is an exclamation, you know, that resonates throughout our body. We say, oof, I mean, oh, did I do that? Oof, oh, goodness, I didn't know I could do that. Oof is, really stands for, and I will tell you what the seven Fs are all about. Being an exclamation, along with other two words of pobres todos, will be the declaration of, oh, I did not know how rich I am. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the significance of those seven Fs. Can you go into that? Okay, I'm glad you're asking. So that means you are paying attention, and that's <laughs> what will happen in the book. Okay, because mm -hmm. the book will probably confuse you at times. Because even when I was writing the book, I had to read two, three times what I had written to understand it. And then I loved it. And then I, I loved it because I found something else within me. And the seven Fs is actually the seven sufferings of the Virgin Mary. They are within the book. Each has a meaning and it is described as a chapter within the book. Oh, I like it. Mauricio, when it comes to writing and publishing, have you ever done this kind of thing before? Never have, never have. 
At this stage of my life, I feel after having written this book like a brand new person, like I have enough room left in my life to write a few more. That would be wonderful. I only could imagine that first moment when you got that first copy in your hands, you got to hold it. Mauricio, what was that like for you? <laughs> it was just like looking at this guy and I said, I always knew that this guy was there, but it was too far to reach. Mm. So when I held that book, it was just, have the capability of touching the sky, the heavens, you know, way above something that is not touchable. So having this book in my hands, it was a great feeling because I felt that I was now on the way to communicate with other people through the book and help them as it helped me. Believe me, and it's like finding a treasure that you never expected. How long did this book take you to write? Overall, about three years. And you mentioned that you'd like to write more books. Are you thinking about writing more in this vein, or are you writing about other things? It's all similar, but it explores other aspects of life. But I think we all have something in common that we don't know what we have in common. Mm. The next book, I can already tell you, I'm about a third into it. I started calling it Dilemmas. You know, it's Dilemma. Why that name? You know, it's, it's weird, but that word just came into me. And I said, what is a dilemma? You know, and a dilemma could mean anything to anybody in, in a, at a certain situation. And as I'm writing that book, I find some fundamentals that relate to dilemma. So now it might have two titles. I'm not clear yet which title will have or will be combined dilemma and fundamentals. I love the positivity in this book. It's titled, Uf, Pobres Todos. It's written by Jose Mauricio Diaz Amendola and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can pick this up everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Mauricio, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about your work. I had a great time talking with you. You're very welcome, and I hope to see you on the next issue. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.